0: What's most luring to me about Gateway is you can come as you are, any place in your life where you are, even spiritually. No matter what you're going through and what kind of person you are, if you turn to God,
1: the Gateway accepts you.
0: They accept that we're all broken, and I accept that I'm broken.
1: Having the ability to be here and not be judged for what you look like or who you are. That I don't have to
0: put on a face or a mask. It's casual. (laughs) So I can wear whatever I want to wear that day, and I don't have to worry about dressing up like I did as a kid. Come as you are means I can wear the ugly glasses, right? <laughs> I mean, look at me. I didn't even tuck my shirt in. Come as you are just show up wherever you're at in your life. It, it doesn't matter.
1: Having fun and learning more things. You know, always be right or always be perfect. You can just. Be who you are, which I love because I feel like I can grow here. I
0: have a place to just be and
2: process. Um, it, it really gives you the opportunity to grow uh, based on your understanding.
1: You don't have to know everything. You don't have to know everything about the Bible.
0: Bring my doubts, bring my skepticisms, and have those questions answered. It doesn't matter what baggage you have. It doesn't matter where you are in your life. You're going to have a group of people that are ready and waiting for with open arms.
2: Come as you are. That's the value of grace-giving acceptance. And why do we say that at Gateway? Well, because it's what Jesus continually lived out for his three and a half years of ministry, that everywhere he went, he invited people to come. You know, Jesus once told a, a parable of the kingdom of heaven. And he said, it's like a king who invited people to his son's wedding banquet. And he's talking about that great reunion, that great union that's going to happen one day in heaven. And he said, he invited, but many people were too busy or were unresponsive. And so the king said to his servants, now go out on the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants went out and brought everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. God's party is an open invitation party to anyone who would come. Come as you are. And that's why we say that as well. It's about God's grace, God's unconditional love and favor and goodwill offered with no strings attached. And you know what? That is actually the message of Christmas, as we've been talking about. That, that Christmas was God announcing his goodwill, his favor, his grace shown to all humanity. You know, we looked at a passage in Luke before. Let me remind you that first Christmas night. that says this, Luke uh, 2.8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said, do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. For today in the city of David, which is Bethlehem, there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. Christmas is God's good news, God's goodwill, God's favor offered To all people of all nations everywhere. And as we talked about last week, the wise men who came from Persia or came all the way from India to worship this Messiah, this King of Kings, reminds us God was doing this for all the nations, not just for the Jews, not just for the Christians, for all people. And we've been exploring this connection between Christmas and refugees the last couple of weeks. And I, I, I told you in the first week that a refugee is someone who has been displaced from their home due to war or persecution, due to evil. And, and we've been saying that, that Christmas really is all about refugee, right? In the last few weeks, we've been talking about how we're in the midst of the greatest humanitarian crisis ever on planet Earth. More people have been displaced from their homes due to evil You know, and and are displaced, half of them are children, 65 million people, half children, 12,000 of them live right here in Austin. And we've been saying, it doesn't really matter where you're coming from in the political spectrum, whether you think we should stop immigration or allow more immigration, that isn't the point. The point is, if we are followers of Jesus, do we care about what's happening to people, and will we do something about it? And so we've been talking about that, and that's what we're doing here in our in our year in giving. Uh, everything that comes in above and beyond, we've been talking about, is going to go uh, to meet the challenge of this crisis, because the story of Christmas is really a refugee story through and through. Last week we talked about how Jesus is literally a refugee right? That evil King Herod finds out from the wise men coming that this King of Kings, this Messiah had been born to the Jewish people. And he tries to kill Jesus and has every baby under the age of two in Bethlehem murdered. Jesus and his family flee to Egypt. And for two, one to two years, Jesus was a literal refugee until Herod died. And then we talked about How Christmas is also a refugee story because God had foretold through the prophets for 1500 years the day that the one true God would enter our world in a form we could relate to and he would do it to rescue us to save us from evil to save us from the the ways we get caught up and and evil propagates through us all of us humans and evil made it necessary for Jesus to be displaced from his rightful home to enter into earth's suffering and poverty, that he might lead many spiritual refugees safely home to God. And we talked about that too, how you and I and every human, truthfully, we are all spiritual refugees. Due to the evils of this world, we all turn from God. We run from God. We run from our rightful home. And we get lost and beaten up and battered. Due to the evils of this world, we are the prodigal sons and daughters that Jesus came and was born to suffer for. That's why it says in 1 Peter 3.18, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you and me safely home to God. See, the reason Christmas is such good news for all spiritual refugees who turn and run from God is because God made a way to rescue us from evil, to rescue us from ourselves, and to bring all willing humans safely home to God. And church was meant to be a spiritual home for refugees of all types. That's what we were meant to be. That's why we say, come as you are. You know, church was not supposed to be a members-only kind of country club feel, like club Jesus. <laughs> but sometimes it can feel that way to people, right? Some people feel that. It can easily become that way toward outsiders. Many churches end up getting this kind of secret language, and, and outsiders come in, and they're listening, and they're like, am I supposed to learn a secret handshake too? I mean, what is this? And we don't realize it, but sometimes we do. We get this secret language, hallelujah, praise the Lord, saved and sanctified, justified, propitiated, transubstantiated, and constipated, right? (laughs) That's the way it sounds to people. It's like, what are you talking about if someone's just skeptical and not sure about all this? And they just say, no thanks. Christians can sound really weird with their Christianese, which is why we do what we do. It's why at Gateway we... Those terms are good. They matter and they mean something, but not if we don't explain them. Not if we don't define them. Not if we just use them as this inner language that excludes others. And that's why we go to great lengths to help people understand what we're talking about. Because church was not meant to be an exclusive club. Church was meant to be a safe refuge, a safe harbor. For people beaten and battered by the storms of life. You know, it reminds me, uh, years ago when I was single, uh, some friends and I went uh, sailing out in Galveston Bay. And uh, we sailed about four hours out to an island, and we anchored out there, and we swam, and we ate lunch. We were just having a blast. When my friend who owned the boat looks out and he sees these storm clouds rising rapidly... And he said, "Uh uh-oh. And, and, you know, if you know uh, South Texas weather, like storm clouds can come up fast and produce gale force winds. But we didn't really know that. He went down, listened to to the weather, and came up and said, "Party's over. We got we got to motor in as fast as we can." And we we're like, "Oh, come on, you know, we're we're shaming him. Like you're gonna run from a little storm? Come on, be a man, man up, right? We're we're you know like try man. We're like, okay, well look, if we're gonna go in, let's at least go in in style. Let's put full sail up. We'll outrun the storm." And and we shamed him into it. So we put full sail up. Within 30 minutes, the storm, the squall, overtook us with brutal force winds, and then we couldn't get the sails down. As we're going to take the spinnaker down, it actually ripped, dragged a guy into the water with him. We had to drag him back in. He was all beaten and bruised up. And my friend, realizing we'd made a huge mistake, turns for the nearest harbor. And I'll never forget. Just I mean, the waves on Galveston Bay can get really big and choppy fast. I remember how it felt suddenly going into the harbor and everything just got calm. Just got calm. And the the wind was still howling all around, but suddenly we were safe. We're in this safe harbor where where we can kind of assess damage and get things together and kind of heal up and strengthen up before we go back out uh, onto the seas of life. That's what church is meant to be. Church is meant to be a spiritual harbor, a safe place For those who can seek shelter from the storms of life that overtake us and beat us down. It's meant to be a safe place for people beaten down by the pace of life or people who can't live up to other people's expectations or people who've made terrible mistakes and don't know where to turn. It's meant to be a safe place for those struggling with addiction or stuck in sinful patterns and don't know how to get out. It's meant to be a safe place for people emotionally damaged or alone or purposeless or feeling unlovable. Any of us, anywhere, who feel lost on the seas of life. And all of us have been there. But oftentimes we turn uh, to places that really don't help us heal up and grow up to be able to go out and weather the storm again. We turn to friends or to bars or nightclubs or sometimes to churches that just beat us up even more. But God wants his church to be a safe refuge because that's what he is. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. It's the reason Jesus came that first Christmas. The angel announced peace on earth. Peace on earth. God came to provide a refuge. Not that he changes the storms of life, but he provides peace within. God's goodwill and favor For all the spiritual refugees who turn safely home to God. And that's why we say, come as you are. That's why we're trying to create a place where people can come and find love and acceptance and warmth and spiritual food and shelter and healing from a broken, evil world. And you know, the truth is many people are just one invitation away because God's already out there. He's not in here. I mean, he is in here, but he's also out there. Rescuing people, drawing spiritual refugees home to himself. You know, I was reminded of, of this uh, not too long ago. I was on a flight. I was getting on a plane in Salt Lake City flying to Spokane, Washington. And I sit down in my seat in Salt Lake City, and a guy sits next to me, and he looks at me and he goes, Are you the pastor of Gateway? And I was like, Why? What do you <laughs> do? No, I didn't really. I said, uh, Do you go to Gateway? And, and he said, yeah, I do. And I, you know, prodded a little bit, and what I found out is that um, his wife has been taking him to Gateway, trying to get him to explore faith, and he's come on and off, but quite honestly, hasn't really been that interested. And so we end up having this incredible conversation for an hour and a half flight, um, he's a kind of high-tech engineer type, and so I was explaining to him that faith is not blind faith at all. It's reasonable faith. There are many reasons to believe this is real and true and that God's actually pursuing you. And by the end of the flight, he, he, he said he would agree to, to really explore, to take it seriously, and if I would send him some stuff, he'd watch it and read it, and then we could talk more about it. And as we were landing, I said, you know, just think, of the odds of, of you sitting down right next to me. And he goes, yeah, you know, if we'd gotten on a plane together in Austin, I would have written it off. But Salt Lake City to Spokane. And, and he calls his wife when we landed and, and said, guess who I'm sitting next to? And she said, it's not a coincidence. Listen. <laughs> now here's the funny part. Cause I said to him, I said, you know what? God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And it's not a coincidence. He's pursuing you, but he doesn't force you. Now, the funny part is, three weeks, I send him the stuff, right? Three weeks later, we get on a plane together in Dallas. I kid you not. We're standing in line, and I looked at him, I go, did you get the stuff? He said, yeah. Did you read it or watch it? No. It's not a coincidence, man. God is seeking, he's pursuing you, and it's true. See, God is out in the world drawing people to himself, even through the storms of life that beat us up and batter us. When when our ego gets too prideful and we think we don't need God, he, he allows the storms to come to remind us this earth is not ultimately our home. It's brutal. It's evil, it's turned from God in his ways, but he wants us home. He wants us home with him. You know, that's why I want you to think about how many people around you are one invitation away because God's already been doing things in their lives, drawing them back to himself. And Christmas Eve, this next week, this next weekend, it's a slam dunk. (laughs) And we're going we're to do this incredible service called A Place to Call Home. And it's going to be a great opportunity, not only for people to understand more about the Christmas story, but why Christmas. How God wants to, us to live at home with him. He wants to live at home with us. He wants to lead us and guide us through life. And there are so many of your friends and neighbors and people who are one invitation away from coming and exploring and finding a safe shelter in a home with God. Wouldn't that be an awesome Christmas present to give? Yeah. Be bold. Yes. Thank you, Martin. You know, I, I, I was reminded of this last weekend. Last weekend, Al Alonzo, who is our spiritual overseer who leads the, the prayer team, um, came over to me and uh, with a woman uh, who had just prayed to let, let Jesus into her life and, um, and she was in tears and, and Al said, you've got to hear her story. And, um, and she said, six years ago, you and I sat on a plane next to each other. <laughs> and she said, we got in a, in a conversation and you, you told me about how much God loved me and, and, and how, you know, he, he's open arms and he will forgive me of anything. And, and, uh, and you told me, but he won't force your will. He waits for you to be willing, for you to turn back to him because what he's after is love. And and she said, and you invited me to come to church. And here I am, six years later. (laughs) See, sometimes you don't know how long it's gonna take because you don't know what God's doing. But God uses even the storms of life. And and as we hit our heads up against the, 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 the rocks of life, he says, come, come to me. I want to offer you shelter and refuge. I want to offer you peace, but not peace that comes from out there, peace that comes from in here. It's what God is doing. And as a church, we're here to help you who call yourselves followers of Christ extend this invitation of grace, this open party invitation. Come as you are to your friends and coworkers because that's what Jesus did. He went and he invited doubters and skeptics and prostitutes and tax collectors and even those hardest to reach, the self-righteous religious Pharisees, to come and find a God who calls himself a father, who wants to be a father to the fatherless, who wants to be a refuge to the beaten down and the oppressed, who wants to be a family to the alienated and alone, who wants to give healing to those feeling worn out, a place of refuge and security where all of us can heal and grow and become strong and not only go back and face the storms of life, but we can become rescuers of others who are drowning in the seas of life. And this is the challenge of church. The challenge of the church is this. You are his plan for the world. That's the challenge of church. You and I are God's plan, and he doesn't actually have a plan B. You know, you think about it, um, you know, have you ever wondered why, if, if God wanted to get his message out about, you know, grace and his love and goodwill, why didn't he just come in the age of media? Why didn't he get a TV show, you know, or get on CNN, or just buy some late night infomercial spots, you know, maybe a televangelist program of the 80s, you know, and wouldn't that get his message out more? No. Because his message is the message of love and grace, and that is best transferred life by life by life. It's got to be seen and experienced to be believed. And I don't know if you've ever considered that, but as a Christ follower, have you ever thought about how you are either the best or the worst message of what God is like? And sometimes, you know... It turns people away from God because we're not really studying and following Jesus. You know, I had a guy come up to me after a service a number of years ago and he said, I'm having a problem. It's not with God, it's with Jesus. I can't hear you say his name without thinking of someone who's mean. And I was like, Jesus, mean? (laughs) He's the kindest, most loving, merciful being there has ever been. And then I asked him. I said, "Have you ever actually read uh, the the you know eyewitnesses Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John who lived with him and talked about what he's like?" And he admitted, "No, I never have." And it dawned on me, "Oh my goodness, he is picking this up from from Christ's followers or people who claim to be Christians who aren't really following in the footsteps of Jesus." And it happens. Now I remember when I was living in Santa Barbara. Uh, This is the worst of the examples, but when I was living in Santa Barbara, I'm walking through the mall one day, and a guy yells, he has a sign that says, Jesus saves, and he looks right at me and he yells, you're going to hell. That got my attention. Um, And I turn around, I'm like, what? He said, you're going to hell, you idolater. Now, at the time, I was actually a Christian minister idolater. So that was like, huh? Huh? And, and, I, and I thought, this is not good. And I went over to him. I said, what are you doing? Why, why are you judging me? You don't even know me. When Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. And only God knows the human heart. And only God can judge. And by the way, I'm a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus. And he said, no, you're not. I'm like, why not? So look at your shirt. And I was wearing a Britannia shirt with a little British flag emblem, which he said... What, yeah, is that James? <laughs> From Britain. Which he said was a sure sign of my idolatrous nature. Now, it was a sure sign of my, you know, bad judgment in clothing, I admit. Sorry, James, no offense. <laughs> but not idolatrous, okay? But that truly happened. And, and, and people, now that's the worst of examples, but it takes a lot of people showing what Jesus is really like to overcoming a few who really mar his name. And so the question is, will we go out into the world to represent the heart of God? Will we study the life and message of Jesus so that we can walk with him and show the world what he's truly like? And that means we start with the message of love and grace for people who need a safe harbor. And that means we don't just stay as we are. We come as we are, but we don't stay that way. You know, it's the reason that here at Gateway we say live connected. You know, get, get serving with us in, in Next Gen or in the parking lot or wherever. Live connected. Get to know one another so that we can start to grow as his family and then get into a life group where you can really grow spiritually in depth so that we can actually be a light to the world. We can be his sons and daughters. Because that's what he's doing. It says, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it says in Hebrews 2, it was fitting for God, for whom and through whom everything exists, that he should make the pioneer of their salvation, Jesus, perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy, which just means set apart for a purpose, and those who are made holy are the same family. That's what God's doing. He is building a family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that good news? That that God wants to invite you and me and everyone into his family. Jesus calls us brothers and sisters. We create a safe refuge, his church, where all of us can learn and grow up to be the people God intended. So not so we just stay here, not we stay in the harbor in our safe little comfortable refuge so we can go back onto the seas of life and we can run his rescue mission with him. That others who are beaten and battered by the storms of life can be welcomed in where they find safe refuge as well. That's what we're trying to do here. That's actually Sarah and Garrett's story. I want you to see it, watch this.
1: Growing up in a Christian home, there was faith there but I didn't have my own faith. I was depressed, a lot of anxiety, um, just a lot of built-up anger, and just always trying to fix that with temporary things and just going out on my own, just a destructive path, um, trying to find healing and hope in all things temporary, and I found myself wanting to run away from everything, I wanted to move, constantly and try to find a new place, new city, new state, new jobs, just anything that would change, thinking that would fix it.
0: I always felt like Christianity was for like weak-minded people, just like a comforting thing to, to kids that are going through struggles, or, or you know, adults that are going through struggles. And uh, never really knew much about it, but it just seemed like a bunch of fairy tales to me. I was a senior in high school, I found out that I'd gotten a girl pregnant. I ended up dropping out of high school. I started an apprenticeship uh, school for electric work. I'd gotten married uh, to my kid's mother. You know, I felt like I had made like such a such a life-altering thing that like robbed me of my, my youth. It was a six-month divorce. I was fighting for custody. Like a week before the divorce was finalized. Um, I was in school, at the apprenticeship school, and got a call from my mom and, uh, that my brother had passed away, he got hit by a car, and... I mean, with that, and then, you know, struggling to, to cope with the fact that I felt like I was losing my kids, I, I didn't really talk about it. It was like I kept it all inside, and I would go, you know, meet up with my friends during the week, Uh, You know, go out to bars during the week and, and there was times where I had gone out that night and drove to the job site that I was working at the next day and slept in my car and woke up to go to work the next day. I always felt like an emptiness and like a loneliness that even though I had like friends to talk to about certain things, it was like there was still something like that I felt that was missing.
1: So yeah, I was getting my hair done, and she said, well, I have this friend. Um, He's really funny. He has two kids.
0: Sent her a message on Facebook.
1: (laughs) Yeah. She said, okay, I'll grab some food, but that's about it, and yeah, it just kept going, so. I was really just in a depressed state, and so I think just growing up in a Christian home, that was something I figured I should start doing again, so I um, had gone very sporadically to another church in Austin. And so when we were dating, more seriously dating, I invited him to church with me. I guess I just had assumed that he was a Christian the whole time because he never said anything when I had invited him to church.
0: I think I was just like really, you know, supportive of anything because, you know, I was excited to have her as my girlfriend. <laughs> so. Uh,
1: he said, well, let's try out this church gateway. And he had been invited in high school. By a friend, so that's how he had heard about it. So I don't know why he thought we should try it out, but we did, and it just felt like home, just the whole environment there. And, and so we um, we weren't going consistently at first, but um, but we knew that we would would keep going there.
0: I definitely felt more comfortable going to to, to Gateway when I would you know go to the services. It was literally like whatever was going on in my you know, life at the time, I could apply you know, the message directly to that, and it was almost like overwhelming.
1: The fact that I didn't feel like I had to jump through religious hoops, I could just come, even if we were still, you know, I was still living in sin at the time, I was, but I was searching for something, and the fact that I, I feel like I could come and didn't have to put a mask on and pretend to be someone else and just knowing this is a place I could stay and these are people that I could be friends with and be in community with. Through the worship, through the environment, through the messages that were very relatable to my life and our life, um, it just, it felt like home the whole time.
0: We just found friends there really easily and just felt like it was a community that you know we were meant to be a part of. I think that's when like I really you know started to become more curious and uh, you know really thinking like it's maybe you know real like it's not just a fairy tale thing that I, I thought it was before it was a Sunday uh, September 13th um, after the service they had offered up uh, baptisms for anybody who wanted to get baptized and it was I mean I you know, true God moment where after the service is done, we looked at each other and were like, let's do it. And we both uh, ended up getting baptized together.
1: Yeah, it's like we just had a look and we both knew that we wanted to make that step and be baptized. He became a believer, um, but I think around the same time, I actually decided to follow Jesus to change my life. And it, I think we did hit a point where we realized we really loved Gateway, but we needed to be involved. And that really came through serving first, but also through life groups and serving at winter camp, Go teams and all of it, we just really dove in and found true community. And it was people that are praying for you and just encouraging you.
0: Just to find friends that are genuinely, you know, there to love you and to, and to, to help you through things, it just was, wasn't something that I was really used to. They're, they're our family now.
1: It's kind of like that missing link at that point. We really needed that community, and we found that at Gateway.
2: It's uh, so, so amazing because I, uh, I remember when Sarah and Garrett got baptized, And um, then to see them get connected, serving, and then get in a life group and grow. And today, Garrett is a leader in our high school ministry, and Sarah is in our leadership development program. I don't know if you noticed, but in the video, Garrett was actually working on uh, these cool uh, lights hanging, these chandeliers. So he made those. It's pretty cool. But you know, the church is meant to be a safe refuge, but not only that, it's meant to be a rescue station. And that's why we say, come as you are, but then live connected and be transformed and ultimately be a part of changing your world. You know, God wants us to go back out and make an impact in the world. You know, there's a parable about a lighthouse uh, and a volunteer rescue team. And, and the parable is that this lighthouse was on a very dangerous rocky coast where many ships would, would hit up on the rocks and, and many people uh, were, were shipwrecked as a result and there was this courageous little band of volunteers who would get in their rowboats and they would risk their lives to go out and drag people who were getting beaten up on the shoals of these rocks into their boats and they would rescue them. They'd bring them back to the shore in this little lighthouse and they would bandage them up and feed them and get them warm and, and, and help them, uh, you know, be okay. And, and as time went on, more and more of the, of the rescuees became members of this volunteer rescue team. And they were able to, to save and rescue more and more who were shipwrecked on the shoals. And, and as a result, they, they started collecting dues and they were able uh, to, to provide new facilities and they, they started an emergency clinic for these uh, people who were being rescued. And then they they made a new dining room because they wanted the best for these people who were coming in beaten and battered by the waves and the rocks. And they hired a chef who made great food. And then they put in a gym to strengthen the rescuers, you know, so they would be strong enough to pull them in the boat. And more and more people joined. And as time went on, some people started joining, not so much to go out into the dark to rescue people, but because it was such a nice place nice facilities and a great dining hall and a gym and, and such good food. And they, less and less of the volunteers actually wanted to go out and risk their lives on the stormy seas. So they hired people to go rescue people who were being shipwrecked. And then a day came along when there was actually a split in the membership. Because some of the members were upset that that these hired people were dragging so many messy, bloody people into their place, into their their showers and their locker room and their dining rooms and, and, and getting everything a mess. And it was actually disrupting the club feel that they were paying for. They didn't like that. And over time, fewer and fewer volunteers actually went out to rescue. And as a result, the lighthouse... It became a place that told many stories of the good old days where the heroic volunteers would rescue others, but very, very few members ever went to sea. Meanwhile, the storms of life kept coming, ships kept sinking, but fewer and fewer people were rescued on that coast. This parable is a parable of the church. It's what happens to churches when, when we don't pay attention to what God has put us here for. But that's not going to happen to Gateway. That's not who you are. And as long as I'm here, that's not who we're going to become. We're going to become those who change our world. So we say, come as you are, but we also say, change your world. And that's why I'm challenging you to go out this week and invite people. Pick up cards. Go invite them to our Christmas Eve service. But it's also while we're challenging each other to go above and beyond and be generous this Christmas. Because God cares about people who are lost and broken and getting beaten up in the evils of this life. That's why we've been talking about literal refugees. Not just spiritual refugees, but literal refugees as well. And how at, at this Christmas, we have an incredible opportunity. You know, we're, we're, we're about to do our offering in just a minute. And again, our offering is for those of us who call this our church home. If you're here just checking out faith, hey, this is our gift to you. Don't feel any pressure at all. But what we do through the offering is not only support the ongoing ministries all year long of this church, but we're giving, we're challenging each other to give above and beyond and everything above and beyond our budget in November and December, we want to send out to refugees because to meet the needs of refugees through local churches that we're connected with in Jordan and Lebanon and also local refugees right here and things started by members of Gateway. So just as a reminder, watch this. An estimated 65 million people worldwide are now considered refugees and migrants. This is a staggering figure, the highest that has existed. A new UN report reveals that the
0: world's refugee crisis is getting
2: worse. How do you assess the scale of this refugee crisis? This is not a problem of one country or another country. This is a global problem. The greatest displacement of of humanity ever in our history. And the question is, should we care? Should we, as those who claim to follow Jesus, care? Should this matter to us? And why should we talk about this leading into Christmas? What I would like to contend is that we don't understand the point of Christmas at all if we don't care.
1: Relief is working with churches all over the country, and they are resourcing them to uh, start medical clinics and dental clinics. They're going door to door. They're handing out mattresses, camp stoves, pots and pans, and whatever necessities that the refugees need. They listen to the stories of the refugees and pray with them. They offer trauma counseling and support groups, and the list goes on. It's absolutely amazing. Gloria McPherson. I go to Gateway Church and I lead the Hope Clinic. Hope Clinic was started when I saw a need uh, for refugees to more easily access healthcare. What we do is try to remove as many obstacles as we can, whether they be financial, cultural, or language barriers. We see people and we treat them with dignity, with compassion, we give them individual attention. Without Hope Clinic, um, a lot of these patients would end up in the emergency room, and they um, end up
2: with ginormous medical bills. My name is Rig Zamora and I'm the program director for United Christian Athletes. And our purpose here is to walk alongside these kids. We use soccer to, to play with them after school and uh, we form relationships this way. because Many of them have zero friends when they get here, you know, so they tend to be isolated and, uh, and be on their own. You know, so we come alongside and form a unity here, you know, with the other kids, you know, with American kids. And that's that's really our, our you know, a, a foundation of what we do in our ministry. And then we come alongside them and in the process of all of it, we study the Bible with them on a weekly basis. and think about the power God has given us to love and do good, simply because we have been blessed with with so much. You know, I get so excited. Yeah. I mean, think about, think about what we can do this Christmas. This Christmas, as we give above and beyond, we can literally empower the church in Jordan and Lebanon to reach and serve people with the message of Jesus in ways they never ever could before. We can help make a difference in the lives of the 12,000 refugees who already live right here among us. And we have to remember that's what God is doing through his church. He's saying, come as you are. So that then we come and we find safe refuge to connect into his family and live connected and then grow spiritually and grow up to be people who are a light in the world.